Are you the adult child of a narcissist? I am. Welcome to the club. Today I've got an expert, Alisa Stamps. She's written for my website, uh, NarcissistAbuseSupport.com. She's an excellent therapist and she's here to talk to us about what it's like to be an adult child of a narcissist. Um, the things that we have, um, you know, developed and, and the, the behaviors and the recordings that are in our head from our own parents um, tend to overwhelm us and make us think that we are less than. I've got news for you. They were lying. You're not less than. You are what you want to be and you get to decide. So we have to learn to break free of those recordings because this is not the truth. Um, we have to get over this and learn about it. So without any further ado, I want to welcome Alyssa, Lisa, I keep saying Alyssa, but it's Alisa to the show today. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. I'm thrilled to be here. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Can you tell my audience a little bit about yourself? Sure. So um, I'm a licensed clinical social worker based out of Philadelphia, um, now offering telehealth for people. I specialize in adult children of narcissists, as well as disordered eating and anyone struggling with body image issues. I'm what's called a Gestalt certified therapist, so I really appreciate approaching things from a place of curiosity, kind of grounding in the here and now and, and bringing things to awareness, um, as well as somatic work, really interested in how things manifest in the body. And then also incorporating some training uh, that I'm doing in IFS parts work. So um, that's a little bit about, about how I work and again, thrilled to be here. Well, thank you so much for sharing that with us. I know that you specialize in adult children of narcissists and um, the, the DSM has a description of a narcissist. Can you tell us about that and how it sort of manifests in the family structure? Yeah, yeah. So the, the actual, you know, diagnostic terminology is that it's a fixation with oneself and physical appearance or public perception. Some other traits that go along with it um, is that someone with narcissistic tendencies may have a need for admiration, have this pattern of grandiosity that happens for them, and uh, will really possess a lack of empathy, just really being able to connect with people on that level. And I would just add um, that at the core issue of this, is this this terrifying fear of abandonment so that really dictates the actions and behaviors of the narcissist yeah. and it, and it manifests in the family unit um obviously parents are are, are the ones we're talking about here right. what are some of the the traits that we might see how would someone like i didn't know my mom was a narcissist until i discovered it later in life um learning about it for my relationships but what are some of the traits that people should be looking for? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's this really mixture, this muddied area where the needs of the parent and the child emotionally get reversed. So we're really finding the children um, meeting the needs and the whims of the parent rather than the other way around. Um, and it, becomes the responsibility of the child to take care of, and I say that in a very generalized way, 
the parent emotionally, um, sometimes even, you know, in doing duties that the parent would ordinarily be doing household duty, duties, that sort of thing. So there's this idea of parentification that happens. Um, and, you know, the, the parent really is enabled just to be involved. It really, their, their purpose is to have their own needs met. And that could be for a variety of reasons. It could be for job stress, uh, mental health issues, substance use. But the, the child really tries to gain approval then um, by just basically becoming a reflection of the parent's needs and never really getting the opportunity or even knowing that they have the right to develop their own voice. And that manifests, you know, looking at my own personal life, um, it manifests where you, you don't feel like you have a voice and you are sort of victim to becoming, um, I wouldn't call it a slave, but you're at the beck and call of, of your mom and your approval is based on that. And so, you know, victims of this type of abuse seek out um, to, to please others because in, in their parent relationship, if they didn't please mom or dad, then they were, they were the scapegoat. They went from, you know, golden child right down the hill to, you know, you're just going to get attacked by your parents. So you learn to walk on eggshells when you're little and then you end up in a relationship with a narcissist because this is sort of what you're trained to do. This is the only thing you're trained at doing. Um, and, and I know that, that my parents put like recordings in my head. Um, they, the things that they said, what are the kinds of things that they're, um, the internalized thoughts that come into a survivor's head from their parents? Yeah, absolutely. I would say one of the biggest is this internalized message that we're just not good enough. Mm -hmm. And thus, really, the child living in this, and adult child, let's say, too, living in this place of shame for a good portion of their life, mm -hmm. uh, you know, their lives. Um, other messages we may receive is that we are valued more for what we do rather than who we are. So, mm -hmm. you know, the achievement-oriented narcissistic parent that really wants to see that list of accomplishments and then um, I think other messages are that we are unlovable, that we are undeserving of love, and that we are unworthy. And again, just residing in that. And I, I keep reflecting to like the gut on this one, just living in that place of shame. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a place where you have to earn the love, right? And again, you don't earn, then you're off the list. And um, you constantly are, are trying to make them happy. Um, you mentioned the, the list of accomplishments and how they, they want to you know, bring that up. And that's kind of a false message to the child. You know, it's, it's sort of like, hey, if you get trophies, then I'll love you. If you do this, then I'll love you. And it's, it's a hard ride for children because they learn to push and push and push to do better, which is great that a parent is, you know, encouraging them. But it's not about the child's um, accomplishments. It is what the parents can tell their friends at the yacht club or, you know, at at the club and tell them, oh, look at my, my son, he's so this, or my daughter's this. So when you are one of the children that don't 
have those accomplishments and you know with a family you know situation the dynamic of, of a narcissistic family the parents are always pitting the kids against each other and so one time you'll be the golden child and then the, the, the sister and then it just rotates around and so there there's always seems to be one you know, one of the siblings that doesn't play well with others, so doesn't try to get those accomplishments, and um, they end up suffering quite badly because the parent can't show them love because they're not raising the bar for them to, to show off how good their kids are. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, there it really falls into the kind of rules of maintenance of this narcissistic system and you know one that i think you're speaking to is this idea of triangulation too um where you know the alliances are formed generally at the whims of the narcissist and then who's ever kind of out of it you're right becomes sort of the scapegoat or a lot of times the forgotten child too the one that just you know is really suffering with the neglect yeah. And, and I heard once from someone I, that I interviewed that the forgotten child is actually the one that escapes and gets away and doesn't have as many um, issues later in life because they've sort of walked away from the dynamic. I'm not going to play that game. Right. And they end up being healthier than the ones that are so enmeshed into the struggle for power within the sibling system. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, something else too, that I, I rarely come across in my work, siblings that have been able to kind of pull away. So it's them against the system, because you're right, there is that the splitting that happens, the pitting against one another, this idea that my, my enemy, who is my sibling is my also my friend, and it, it just gets very mixed. So I believe it's really rare when the siblings remain intact mm -hmm. um yeah. i don't find that that usually happens in the system unfortunately no it's it's happening for me and my family um because my mom's gone and um while they both are on the dark side of the narcissistic wheel here um i think they've both started healing and working on their journey to become stronger and so for the first time in almost 60 years i feel like at least I have half people as sisters. You know, I, I still am not 100% sure on the trust factor, um, but without mom in the picture, it does allow for a little bit of healing, I think. And I'm looking forward to seeing if it can actually change them, knowing that they're narcissistic. Um, I keep them at an arm's length and, um, you know, I'm protecting myself, but, it's interesting to see how the dynamic has changed since my mom passed and how we all perceived our, our triangulated life in different ways. Oh, yes. How each one was like, you were the favorite. No, you were the favorite. You were the favorite. And, and it's, it's so weird to see again later in life and after the mom is gone where the, the camp competition's over. No more fighting, no more, you know, you don't have to prove yourself. So it's been an interesting time to watch that turn around i i bet and um you know there is perhaps sometimes this sense of relief mm -hmm. when a narcissistic parent is gone in that respect yeah i think i think for sure you know that it's it's um a place for healing at least yes. 
you know, where yeah. we can finally close the book and not be mortal enemies. I like that. <laughs> yeah, that's great. I have enough mortal enemies with my ex-husbands, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Let's go back to this. I'm sorry I, I digress. Um, we were going to talk about the communication styles and the character yeah. of the yeah. family system. So what can people expect? Well, what do you see most often? Right. So a big one is indirect communication. Mm -hmm. um, everybody in the system is talking about everybody else, but never to the person that they're talking about. Mm -hmm. And generally, I would say that the narcissist is sort of the passer of the information. Um, and also, I think there's some passive aggressiveness that come about, you know, in these in this manner. So um, just simply the narcissist, you know, an example would be saying like, you know, I, it would be nice if somebody would take the trash out rather than directly saying, hey, Bobby, could you please, it would really help me out if you would just take this to the curb. So that's one. Um, triangulation, we spoke about that. Uh, you know, the, it's really important for this narcissist to form these alliances. And um, a lot of times, too, this communication is passed through the child in, in this format. Um, something like, you know, Charlie, tell daddy that mommy doesn't like it when he wears that shirt rather than, again, directly communicating. Um, and, and it's counted on that the child in the system is going to be sort of this messenger. Mm -hmm. uh, another one that I think is really big uh, is projection. That's a huge tactic, I think, like textbook. It's, it's a hard one sometimes to, like, understand or even know when it's happening to you. I, I call it like project vomiting onto someone else. <laughs> and then, so what the narcissist will do is take all the parts of themselves and all the emotions that they can't deal with and literally project vomit it onto their target, in this case, the adult child, and then attack all these parts of self that they despise. So that's where this idea of not good enough happens at such an early age for these adult children. And it, it just seems kind of normal in the system. So there's, you know, that, that makes for a lot of questioning of self, a lot of negative self-talk. Absolutely. I mean, the, the, the recordings that get put in our head, you know, yeah. that I'm not good enough, that, you know, you're too stupid, that you're this, you're that, you'll never be anything. My mother used to tell me, I, I better marry well, because I was the stupid one. I swear to God, it's in yeah. my used to say that to me and um you know i thought that was my mission oh that's what i'm supposed to do very well oh okay i didn't know that um never giving me accolades you know never being there for me to um say wow you're gonna be something someday you know never giving me that but more putting down every opportunity if i became excited about doing something and i remember he, I, I used to love cooking and I still do, but I used to bake lots of cookies, like obsessively 3000 cookies at Christmas. And my mother would look at them and go, well, they're very pretty, but they could taste better. Oh yeah. Yeah. 3000 yeah. cookies. I'm like, try another one. It was like, can you not just give me a crumb of, of wow, great job. 27 different kinds of cookies. I've never seen that Tracy, you know, yeah. You know, I remember she came to my house and she'd only been here once before she passed. And, and I had the, the most beautiful home with my ex-husband. 
and I had this one, I had thousands of frames on the wall with all the pictures of our, our fun stuff that we were doing. There was one that was orange, the whole house. She's like, well, that orange frame has got to go. You know, it was like, you couldn't say anything. Right. But that one thing was sort of, and, and, and that just makes you, you know, as the surviving adult child, it's like, oh God, I'm not good enough. That I should have known that was the wrong frame, you know? That's creation on the negative. And if I could just add too, it can really happen in terms of uh, body image as well, where the narcissist, I would say particularly the mothers, not necessarily, but will project about parts of their own bodies that they dislike onto that child. And then that's part of where we learn to really hate parts of ourselves. You know, my mother once said to me, I'm really sorry that you got your father's legs. So vilifying my father and wow you know and and it took a while to um understand that these are you know they're there because they're strong and they help you run and you know rather than saying like what great strong you know there's so much strength in you it's not that way no yeah and and that's the hurtful part of it all so there's a lot of communication styles um that that happen with this did we talk about that yet oh no i think so one, well, one more I can mention is gaslighting. I think that's a huge one too. Um, you know, uh, if, if people want to know the origins, it comes from a play, then a movie. And it's this idea of this husband who um, turns down the gaslights in the home to create this sort of psychological doubt and manipulation for his wife. So he'll turn the gaslights down. She'll say, oh, the lights seem dimmer. Did you? Oh, no, no. They were always that way. Or maybe move a vase from one place to another. Oh, the, the vase, didn't that used to be on the table? Now it's on the, no, you're not remembering that correctly, right? So it's really to, um, to place this doubt. So we're constantly questioning, well, maybe I didn't remember it that way. Maybe this wasn't as bad as I thought, right? So it just, yeah, it, it's really kind of crazy making for the adult child. Yeah, it, it, it makes you doubt yourself. It makes you doubt everything that you know about your life. And so I have been gaslit to hear. <laughs> I'm like, I, I understand it. Um, so this world that we're in right now, um, you know, for my divorcing clients, um, the courts are shut down. The, um, you know, there's no decisions on support. Some of them are stuck home with their narcissistic um, spouses. Um, and I know that adult children, while they could be adult, they could be in their 20s. I, I've got a few that I'm coaching that are in their 20s, stuck home with their parents during COVID. What kind of things have you been seeing? What's, what's going on with that in the dynamic world? Yeah, absolutely. So I run an outpatient support group called Shattering the Mirror, specifically for adult children of narcissists. And this topic has come up quite a bit. Um, you know, a lot of people are... Kind of in this reenactment and and they're feeling like this you know the way that they felt when the narcissistic parent would kind of ruin these celebratory events in their life or uh you know do something before an event just take away from it so there's kind of that overshadowing there as well um and then quite frankly, you know, we are being led through this by sort of the mother of all narcissists. So 
we're not being led through this by somebody that's really showing a lot of protection for us, that's showing a lot of empathy, support. Um, there's this general feeling of feeling unsafe that I've heard from a lot of my adult children of narcissists um, that hasn't perhaps been there prior to this. Right. And, you know, and then um, there are some that are quarantined with their family, their narcissistic family member, again, exactly as you were saying. And, I, and especially in my group, I've had a couple clients that just have not been able to join it anymore because they don't feel safe in their homes talking about the narcissist with the narcissist being a door down. Mm -hmm. um, and even some things like finding other ways to, to do the session. You know, one of my clients um, doesn't have access to a smartphone. So we've just had to really figure out creative ways to continue the work, continue helping them feel as safe as possible in that respect. But um, the boundaries that were once in place are feeling quite different now. Well, with that much contact, I mean, if you're actually with the, the adult, um, you know, the, the adult, you're the adult child and you're with the, the, the parent, um, it's it's like you're trapped in a cage and there's no way out because you're now at their beck and call and um they're not going off to work they're not going anywhere you're just stuck there and so i know that the challenges have been tremendous um on every level that i've dealt with the people as well and um the the types of things that are are not only scary the lack of protection but also the 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 entitlement that maybe they don't need to wear a mask or maybe they they've been out at work driving an Uber all day and they come home and they're not cleaning up and taking off the clothes and taking care of the children you know of the adult children the others in the house um, because they're entitled well, well I, I worked all day I just want to lay on the couch well you just COVID germs on the couch, dude. <laughs> so it's it's a very awkward place and it makes them feel even more unsafe. A normal parent, if they were doing that, would come home and, you know, take off their clothes and throw them in the washing machine before they even walked in the house, have a robe out in the garage and, and just, you know, deal with it to protect your family. But I know adult children are not feeling safe when their parents are not honoring the safety precautions. And that makes you really feel unloved. Like I, I'm not worth you making sure I'm safe. It's scary. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what came up for me as you said that is it's like equivalent to um, trying to understand why, let's say the adult child, uh, the, the narcissistic adult who maybe struggles around substance use, why it's not enough. The child themselves isn't enough to stop the substance use. Do you know what I'm saying? Like it just, it seems unfathomable. Yeah, it really is really is. And I know I, I didn't learn about my mother being a narcissist. I always thought we just had the crazy family on the block. Um, so I didn't learn until I was much older in life. Do you find that most people are learning earlier now or are they learning because like me, I had to have the narcissistic relationship to pick up the book and go, oh my God, that's my mother. Are you finding people learn about this earlier in life or more like me later in life? You know, it's that's such a great question. It's such a mixture. So in some of my groups, I, I've had like a mixture of younger folks in the group and then like some older people as well. And what the older people often remark on is, gosh, I wish I was where you were 
learning about this at your age and mm -hmm. here I am, you know, in my forties and fifties. Right. Um, so I think there's that. I would say, yes, I, I feel like people are beginning to learn. This generation is beginning to learn about this at a earlier age. There's a lot more information out there now too. So things are much more accessible. But then on the flip side of that, I'm starting a new section of my group come June 11th. And I've got an 80 year old joining. I've got a 70 year old joining and it's it's really um, profound, like it's really hitting me in a very profound way that I remember the 70 year old saying to me, you know, I just want, I've lived most of my life with this. I just want to move through this so I can really be in my life now. Wow. Yeah. It's That's beautiful that, I mean, that they're, they're coming even at that age because um, it's never too late to heal. And regardless of being in your twilight years and your parents being gone, you're still holding on to some stuff and it's time to let go of it. So I'm really glad that you've got those older folks joining you. Um, what's the best coping mechanism for someone who might be stuck at home with them? What do you suggest? I mean, you can't go no contact if they're in the living room. Yeah, I think this is a really hard one. Um, I mean, the word boundaries comes up and I would offer, you know, someone once in my journey mentioned that boundaries can look like doors and windows. And I really appreciated that. It doesn't seem like they're so hard, you know, fast, hard and fast then. I would say whatever can be done to allow that space for self, be it closing a door, be it taking a walk, just to give space between you and the rest of this narcissistic family unit. Um, obviously, having your own support, whatever that looks like, be it an individual therapist, a support group, and, and finding a way to kind of make sure you're safe when you're doing that work. Um, and, and just standing in a place of self, really trying to arrive into your true authentic self. If that means, you know, turning towards meditation, turning towards yoga, just mm -hmm. something that really gives you this place to be with yourself. And grounding, just like, you yeah. know, as they trigger you, you know, go to your room, breathe deep, put your feet on the ground, just yeah. get yourself back into the here and now instead of letting yourself go down the rabbit hole of the drama that they're trying to produce because, it's your responsibility to, to monitor yourself. You can go in your room and hide and start to meditate and just sit there and breathe and get out all the, the toxic juice that's spinning around your head. Um, I like that idea a lot. When you talked about the boundaries at first, um, I have this quote, and I'm not gonna say it right, but basically setting boundaries, you know, people say that it doesn't work with a narcissist, but I say that the act of trying to set it is better than never trying without that. Because when you give up trying to say, you know, I'm not comfortable with that, that, that doesn't work for me. When you give up, they've got at you and they've won. Yeah. And so yeah. keep on trying, don't, don't give up and just don't let them shut you down. Just be like, I'm, I'm not comfortable. No is an answer and um, you don't need an explanation. And even though it's your parents, uh, it, it, you have the possibilities to set something up that 
takes that on slowly. It's not like you're going to get everything in one magic wish. There's no magic genie of boundary setting, but there is, you know, slow baby steps towards right. them. Like just winning once, just going, Oh my God, they left me alone. Cause they told them to yay. Yes. <laughs> the win. Right. So just yeah. don't up on the boundaries. Absolutely. I would say reestablishing them from time to time may be and is most likely going to be really necessary. Mm -hmm. um, and I would say that the expectation is for you, not for what the outcome or the objective will be, but it's for you arriving in itself and practicing using your own voice. And, and another thing I'd like to add on the coping is, is journaling. Just yeah. get, it, get it out of your head put it on paper. Don't leave it in the drawer on the end table where they can find it. Um, you know, stuff it way under your bed, your mattress if they live with you, but get it out because talking to a journal can be talking to your parents, the things you can't say. Like I used to go back to my room and go, Oh, I wish I could have said this, this, this. And if you put it in a journal, it does leave your brain. It does help get out of the amygdala and some of that trauma is processed right there on the sheet of paper. So I really think that when people go into a journaling, you know, practice that they have a better chance of feeling less alone because the journal will always be your friend and always be there when you need them. And they charge by the hour. So just write in your journal. <laughs> Yeah, and it can be a great measurement tool too when you when you reflect back and see where you came from to where you are now. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for joining me today and talking about the adult um, children of narcissists. I know that there's a lot out there that um, we need to help so many people. So I'm really grateful for your work and um, thank you for being with me. Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled. Well, I hope you found that helpful. Being the adult child of a narcissist isn't easy, but you can recover. You can move on. Your goal is to recover and move on because if you don't understand the wounds that were caused by your parent, then you may be like me and marry one. So um, I hope this is helpful. Visit my website, NarcissistAbuseSupport.com for lots of helpful information. We've got a free ebook on narcissistic parents and you can download that as well as all kinds of fun other things. So um, I will see you soon on my website and thanks for joining me.